stroke is is uh, becoming a more prominent and, and serious issue for us to be aware of. So I'm very pleased to be welcoming Elena Crew, who is a survivor of stroke, and Kelvin Hall, who is the Executive Director of Stroke Services and Research at the Stroke Foundation. Uh, thanks for your time for you both. Elena, uh, could we start with you? Without wanting to give away too much personal details, you're a relatively young person who's who's had a stroke, and, and that's, I guess, not the typical picture we have. Could you, could you tell us your story? So I was 32 years old. I had a three-month-old baby at the time. I was on the phone to my dad, and I felt something strange go in my brain. I can't describe the feeling, and then I couldn't talk. And I went into the bathroom to my husband and he was changing my son's nappy at the time and he said talk to me and I was like I can't and then he looked at my face and he rang triple o straight away and they went through the stroke fast um signs and said can you talk and it was all slurry he said they said can you lift your arm up and one arm was a bit crooked they said can you talk and it was all slurry and then we had two ambulances come home, like to our house. And then um, they took me straight to our local hospital in Warrigal. Um, and they obviously got the telehealth people and I talked to them. And they said, let's have to do a CT scan, did a CT scan, nothing come up. They just said, oh, it might be migraine. So I waited three days to have an MRI and then they diagnose me of having a stroke. And I've had heaps of tests and we don't know why I had one. I was healthy, fit, well, no reason why I should have had one. So all of that must have been uh, initially very scary and, and sort of continues to be a sort of nagging doubt in your mind? Yeah, I still worry, you know, that I could have another one. I'm on preventative tablets and let's just hope I don't. Yeah. But it is a worry. So obviously you had no no inkling before it happened. It must have been a sort of a slightly frightening experience as you went through it with you and, and your partner. Yeah, well, I had no warning signs. I was, wow, that day I wasn't sick at all. And then, bam, I was on the phone and that was it. No warning at all. Okay, well, I'd like to come back to you shortly. We'll turn to Kelvin now. Um, and Kelvin, that's obviously a, a bit of an unusual experience. What's more the usual pattern? Yeah, unfortunately, Alana's story is is not your typical stroke. I think there's a there's a, a misconception almost that strokes just occur in people that are old, and certainly it does. Our risk increases as we get older, but. Um, almost a quarter of all strokes are under the age of 55, so that in a middle age of life. And we do have strokes in babies and teenagers as well, although that's often a different cause. Um, we, uh, we know that there's some um, leading risk factors for stroke. Blood pressure, high blood pressures is, is the number one. And, and often uh, and that can be related to childbirth because um, blood pressure can be variable in 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 um, the antenatal and postnatal period but given the time frames after birth that was probably unlikely for Alana so it's um, blood pressure and sometimes in young people there can be um, a hole in the heart that's that's not picked up and um, uh, they call it PFO or patent foramen ovale and and that can cause a, a, a clot to form in the heart but 
um, I'm assuming tests were done. So oh, unfortunately in the younger age group, it's it's sometimes we can't get to the bottom of why the stroke has occurred. Uh, it's about uh, a quarter to up to 40% of patients. We just don't know why. Um, and, and therefore, uh, it's just really important that everyone knows what the common signs are. And in Atlanta's case, she picked them up really early, which was fantastic, and got to hospital early, which is the critical thing, and actually got the telestroke, got the specialist to, to look at her symptoms. Um, and, and sometimes in stroke, just the, the such, depending on where in the brain is affected, it's sometimes hard to pick up. And that's why the, you know, further advanced tests were needed uh, in Alana's case. Um, but it is, it is more common than what we think in younger people. Um, it concerns me a little bit, uh, in ignorance, I, I confess, that um, one of the thoughts was that it just might have been a migraine. That is that kind of potential misdiagnosis a, a serious thing? It is common, So, uh, it, but it's very true. So common in young people in particular, and, and I think women um, more than men, um, migraines can lead to... Um, symptoms. So um, I know that they can actually mimic the symptoms of a stroke. So it is important to have the brain tests and to have all the other examinations. Um, so I suppose the the early question marks and the interactions with the specialist doctor would be, well, it, it could have been a stroke, but with the age group, it's less likely. So it could have been this. And, and what they do is they go through a number of uh, alternative diagnosis that they work through until they can get a better picture from from the various tests. Um, so that's it's not an uncommon, um, uh, com not complication, but but symptom that's reported that can be stroke or can um, just be migraine. Uh, and I guess the the part of the point there would be um, we're not self-diagnosing this. We, we we treat it like it's the, the worst possible scenario, i.e. stroke, um, and act as if it is until it's proven otherwise. Absolutely, yeah. And we, we do have um, interventions now that are time critical. Um, so if, if you do have a big, big stroke and a, and a big blockage, then there's actually surgery that, that is undertaken in uh, a few hospitals in Melbourne that literally remove the clot, which can mean the difference between someone walking out of hospital in two or three days versus being in a wheelchair for the rest of their life. So it, it's amazing the interventions that we have now, but time is the critical component. So Alana, you did all the right things, uh, clearly, um, and uh, got to hospital and, and all of that. Can can you talk a little bit about what's uh, how it's gone since then, what you've been through? Um, I went to um, back to hospital for speech therapy, but they said I was too good. <laughs> I did my speech quite better. Um, I couldn't smile properly, so I taught myself how to whistle again, and I think that helped. Um, and I've seen a psychologist, but I really feel like it didn't help me. So I tried kinesiology, and that really helped. And just walking and, um, yeah, and meditation and um, just listening to podcasts helped and music. And I guess in your case, the, the, one of the difficulties is that because we don't know exactly why it happened, exactly how you need to work to stop it happening again it is a problem, huh? Yeah, that's exactly right. But I'm hoping 
there, I just don't believe there's enough studies after childbirth. I, I believe it was childbirth. It has to have been um, because I did have preeclampsia and my liver wasn't functioning well. And then after my stroke, my liver got better. So I just believe it has to all be linked. They did find a PFO, the Peyton Foreman Avali, um, but it's too small to patch. That, that's that's kind of interesting. So the, the, in, in your case, at least from your point of view, uh, what you're doing is sort of lining up a whole series of things that might have combined to, to put you in this position. Yeah, I believe, yeah, it has, it, it has to have been childbirth, but obviously they can't say that because they don't know. Mm. So I'm on blood thinners, gel tablets and blood pressure tablets to prevent it. 80% of um, the the causes of stroke can be controlled. Um, there's obviously things as, like when we get older, we can't control that. Um, but there are a lot of things that we can do and about 80% of the risk factors um, we can reduce. So knowing your blood pressure is the, the, the really important thing. Get that measured, understand what it is, um, Secondly, talk to your doctor about having a comprehensive uh, risk assessment, and that includes cholesterol, um, an assessment of potential diabetes or pre-diabetes, and, and then just looking at the lifestyle factors, which are not just for stroke, but they help prevent heart disease and cancers, the things like having a really good diet, a balanced diet, regular exercise, um, not smoking, um, moderating or, or cutting out um, alcohol, for example, um, and uh, all of those things combined. The other one, as we do get older, is more common is an irregular heartbeat as well, and um, that can be a, a cause of stroke. So there's a number of things that we can do, and likewise, and what Alana was touching on, things that she's done to help her recovery and help her prevent and another stroke, all of those lifestyle factors and, and the control of the blood pressure um, and thinning the blood um, uh, are all important um, ways of reducing risk. Prevention is always better than cure. It's It, it can be, um, you know, a painful recovery. And like Alana's story, it's, it's often um, things that we can't see in people that have had a stroke, which are really significant to their recovery. Like fatigue is really common, um, uh, you know, the communication uh, issues and and mood is a really big factor. So um, the the non physical impacts of stroke can be very important and just as real as the as the physical uh, recovery from stroke. So everything that we can do to prevent stroke and then support those that have gone through a stroke and 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 are recovering is is the message. But knowing the fast signs like Alana did. The, the, the FAST stands for face, so whether there's a droopy face, um, the arm weakness or leg weakness is a really common sign or the speech disturbance. And then if any of those signs ring the ambulance, get to hospital, start the assessments and treatments as early as we can. Yeah, you do get very tired after having a stroke and I still get really tired. And it, it's, yeah, it's more than tiredness. It is fatigue and you just learn to push on with it or rest when you need to rest and look after yourself. Uh, and finally, Kelvin, th there are organisations like your your organisation around to, to help support w when 
the worst happens. Yeah, so Stroke Foundation is a national organisation. Um, it's the only national organisation focused on stroke. There is a, a 1-800 number if people ever have a, a question, whether that's the general public, um, someone with that's had a stroke, there's actually health professionals who man that and can um, answer the call or ring you back and provide whatever um, resources or advice, information and support. Um, the health services do a fantastic job right across the country. So um, just helping people navigate where they can get further support or, or information is is what we offer. So please, uh, we'll, you know, reach out to us and um, if there's anything that we can provide, happy to do that. Well, thanks to you both for your time today. Um, we've been speaking with Elena, who is a, a survivor of stroke and uh, uh, I hope uh, recovering well. And uh, we talk, And Kelvin Hill is uh, from the uh, Stroke Foundation. Uh, thanks to you both and uh, particularly good, good luck for your future, Elena. Thank you. Thank you.